0: Also on the tee, from the third ward, this is Steven Watson. It's Monday evening, and you're on the tee, presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Now to take you around the course, live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All Studios at Radio City. Alongside Steven Watson, here's Gabe Neitzel.
1: Feeling today. I'm feeling a lot of things, Kate.
2: Like I'm feeling sadness because Tiger played probably his last competitive open at St. Andrews, which obviously meant a lot to him. We'll get to that a little bit. I'm sad because I was rooting for Rory and he didn't pull it off. But yesterday was an awesome day of golf. Like it was, it was a lot of fun, and and we can get into. What comes next in a little bit, I am going to choose to ignore that. Thank you. Through the prism of when you shoot 64 to chase down the guy that everybody in St. Andrews is rooting for. The world. (laughs) Like, that's, I mean, that takes some stones, man. Like, that was... It was cool to watch. It was a lot of fun to watch. Watching Cam Smith, you know, just fire through, go birdie, 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 birdie. You know, start off with five on the back, shoot 30 on the coming in at the open to chase down Rory. And oh, by the way, hold off his playing partner who made an amazing two on the 18th, which was (laughs)
1: like... I'll I'll tell you what. The five birdies were one thing. The par that he made on 17 might have been his best hole
2: Oh that on won him Sunday
1: the tournament it won him the tournament, and then the birdie on eighteen, after Cam Young drives the Green and makes the Eagle, yeah, I mean, that was some next level stones from Cam Smith. He went out and he won that open because on seventeen,
2: pulling out the putter was the right thing to do. And pulling out putter still brought the bunker into play. <laughs> like
1: that's Yeah, he had to ring it around the side he, perfectly. He
2: hit the perfect shot and still had 12 feet and then made the putt. I mean, his, his putter just got in fuego, and he made up for quite possibly the dumbest mistake of the open the day before, so he was able to overcome that. But that's kind of who Cam is. Yeah. Cam is someone who I think benefited yesterday from being like, ah, eh, screw it, I'm four down, I got to go.
1: Yeah, he's a ride or die.
2: Like, he is... I don't know if you remember that. I think it was the FedEx Cup... uh, No, it was the event before. It was the St. Jude, which is now going to be a FedEx Cup playoff again event. But he was WGC last year. And Cam needed par to get into a playoff. And he hit his drive right into some trees. And you're, you're thinking, okay, especially as good of a putter as Cam Bleep and Smith has been over the last two years. All right, you punch out, wedge went up there try to make par that way, because he. it looked like he was in jail. He decides he's going to take this route that's like... I, I don't even know what he saw. You know, when when we were talking about the, the U.S. Open and Rory wanted to hit, hit a five-win through like a tiny gap that barely fit a golf ball through it, it was kind of similar to that. Like, I have no idea what route you were trying to do. Hits his ball, hits the tree predictably, goes out of bounds. But that's who Cam Smith is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, no, I can get it up there and make birdie. He is just an uber aggressive player and i think that played into his favor yesterday where rory was more methodical and not wanting to make mistakes
1: it's kind of the discussion that we had last week on the show of being the type of golfer that there's no worse feeling in golf than screwing up the layup and cam smith is a guy who just goes i'm just never going to lay up i'm going to go balls to the wall i'm going for every single shot we saw that on 13 over the weekend where he hit it you know with a uphill lie with his feet in the bunker trying to hit a I think it was a rescue you know it was a ridiculous shot that (laughs) nobody should ever attempt let alone in a major championship but then he comes back and he's the type of guy that can catch fire Mm -hmm. like maybe few can on tour and man I, I got nothing but respect for him and what he did I just feel still Gabe this sense of emptiness for what that weekend was shaping up to be And how it all ended.
2: And I feel bad because I think Rory tried to take a page out of the Tiger playbook. When you think about Tiger Woods and the 14 majors he won, all with a 54-hole lead, up until he lost that PGA 15 years ago at this point to Y.E. Yang. The Tiger playbook, when he had the lead in those majors, was to build the lead over 54 holes... And then play mistake free or as close to mistake free golf as you can and make them come get you. And they're gonna fold because they ain't Tiger Woods. And part so here's here's why I'm okay with Rory not being as aggressive yesterday. Because the what what was going to bring guys like Cam Smith, Cam Young back in, especially after Cam Smith shot 73 the day before, he was yeah. one over par. What made him so make those guys come get you, and then you manage your playing partner, right? Like you've okay, Victor Hovland, him and I are tied. He was out playing Victor. Victor didn't have his best stuff yesterday, and he still had opportunities. I mean, he had a six forty that six footer then he missed on three. Uh, he missed one from fifteen feet on six. 12 feet on nine. That one is the one that hurt the most, by the way. Like not making birdie on nine, like that was utterly gettable. Um, twelve feet on twelve. 18 feet on 14. You know, he had some opportunities coming down the stretch because he played mistake free golf yesterday. He hit every green and he two putt. The the problem was he two putted them all. He had opportunities to, if if literally, if one of those falls, he's in a playoff. Because I firmly believe that he makes birdie on 18. He only makes par on 18 yesterday because he knew he had to make the chip, so he gets a little bit more aggressive, leaves himself 18 feet above the hole, didn't really care about the putt coming
1: back because it didn't matter. We were texting a lot in that final round, and I just kept saying to you, I said, Rory is playing like somebody who doesn't want to lose, not somebody who wants to win. And I understand the Tiger mentality of making them come get you and playing it safe, but... 36 putts is not going to win you a major championship no, on a but, Sunday.
2: But but again like he had a six that's the one that stinks the most. When he missed the one on 3, missing from 6 feet in a major championship, like he makes that six footer, like maybe one of the other ones falls at one point cuz and it's not like he was far off. It's not like he was uh, no, he was burning edges on a lot of those makeable putts. His lag putting was spectacular. Uh, because he did have a hundred thirty foot putt that he two you know hundred thirty feet on ten that he two putted for birdie sixty feet on thirteen forty two feet on fifteen forty five feet on sixteen and he's able to two put those but the ones that were makeable eighteen feet six feet fifteen feet he was burning edges so I. Like He still had opportunities, and I think the game plan was to go out and shoot 68, because you go out and shoot 68, if somebody goes shoot shoots 64 to tie me at yeah. 20 under par, which ties the record for most under par in a tournament, and Rory hit the ball good enough yesterday.
1: Of course he did. Hit
2: the ball good enough to shoot that 68, just did not put it well enough. He
1: hit every green in regulation. Yeah. He <laughs> hit one bunker the entire weekend, Gabe, and he holed out for eagle out of that bunker. <laughs> it's it's pretty it's Impressive. unbelievable to think about what Rory did this weekend and on Sunday. I mean, if you're gonna tell me that Rory goes into Sunday and hits eighteen greens in regulation, you know, with the lead that he had going into that, yeah, you take that all day. <laughs> so it begs the imagine? question. It begs the question, Gabe. Yeah. Did Cam Smith win it or did Rory no, lose Cam it? No, Cam
2: went out and won it. If you go out and shoot sixty four on a weekend, like if you go out and shoot sixty four on a Sunday at Saint Andrews, you went out and won it. You went out and you took the ball. Like, again, taking on the pin at 11, you take on that pin. like and, and again, this is where I think Cam had the ability to be aggressive because by taking on that pin at 11, if you end up going long, your tournament's over. Like you're not making par from long of that green. So you're bringing in a little bit of risk by going after that pin as far back as it was on 11, the only par three on the back nine. So Rory hits his and, and, and on 11 he's got you know 40 feet or whatever and that's what a lot of guys had kind of similar spots to Rory. Cam goes after it makes a 16 footer but that's the other thing like you know some of these he makes 16 18. I mean his
1: 12 put, feet he was putting into the ocean
2: yeah like his putter got hot and he's one of those guys that the putter can get that hot but you know like if Rory on 11 goes after that pin and hits it a little long because he's a little you know jazzed up because of adrenaline. We're we're making fun of him today because, like, what are you doing? You don't have to do that at that point. And by the time... But the problem is, on the backside, after hole 12, and then after hole 14, the par 5, 12 being a drivable par 4 where yep. he did not make birdie, and 15 being a par 5 where he did not make birdie. Or, excuse me, 14 being a par 5 where he didn't make birdie. Like, 15, 16, and 17 are not birdie holes. I know he birdied no, it on got, Saturday. Yeah. Like and, and had a... Like, Probably had one of the best looks on 17. Like, he played 17 to perfection and had a great look from 15 feet. It didn't go in, but, I mean, you're not expecting to make 15-footers all the time. But those just aren't holes that you can attack and go, yes, I can make three there. Whereas that's, that's, that's where he messed up. is 12 and then 14, his approach on the par 5, he needed to know that long was the miss. And he missed short. And then his pitch shot comes up to 12 feet, whereas on the backside where Cam Smith missed it, he had a better angle coming up, ended up pitching it to 5 feet, made the putt for
1: birdie. And that's what that course is all about. It's managing your misses and understanding where you need to be in relation to the hold to understand that, hey, a pitch versus a a lag Mm -hmm. is the difference in a two-stroke swing. And that's what Cam mastered on Sunday, was he just put himself on the right side of the hole it felt like more often than not and allowed 12 to 15 footers to feel like 6 to 8 footers and i mean i agree i think cam went out and won this thing um, but my heart hurts for rory because you just you just wonder that it, like it was an unbelievable storybook situation there for rory 150th open a course that he knows well he grew up playing Tiger, you know, he had the tip of the cap to Tiger walking off. It just—it oh, felt it, like it was like, like,
2: like Tiger. It, it was and, and like Jack it, crossing paths yeah, in bit. It, it a little was just bit. like
1: it was. The story was was written. He just forgot to make the putt, and yeah, and it, that's what I'm struggling with. I mean, Rory just put together an unbelievable major season. He was top eight in all four majors. He might have had the best major season
2: out of anyone, and he didn't win one.
1: He beat or tied 97.5% of golfers in the major season Did not win and one. didn't win one of them. That's tough. Justin that's tough. Ray, Justin Ray.
2: Of course, said, that's a Justin yeah. Ray stat.
1: Rory, the third player in the last 50 years to finish eighth or better in all four majors and not win one of them. The other two were Ricky Fowler yeah, in 2014. Ricky, yeah, Ricky and, had,
2: like, a top five. Yeah, he, like,
1: finished top five every he, year. He, he, he almost pulled the Louis off. <laughs> and, then, and then Ben Crenshaw in 1987.
2: The Louie in a calendar year. <laughs>
1: it's
2: fantastic. Um,
1: but I, it, my heart hurts for Rory because we've spoken about it a lot on this show, but he has taken on the role of the face of golf, especially with the Live Tour and, you know, the admiration that he continues to show for the PGA tour and just kind of being the voice of reason in the sport. And he was playing such unbelievable golf leading up to this week and to see his name on the top of the leaderboard going into Sunday, like we would have we would have taken that any day of the week. It, it it just the stars were aligning. Yeah. And to see him come up short again and think back to the fact that this guy hasn't won a major since Valhalla in 2014. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a stretch that le-
2: goes to nine years once we roll around to Augusta. In thirty the spring. majors,
1: yeah, thirty majors it's been for Rory, and he's been close. And we joke all the time about his backdoor top tens, but it just shows how hard it is to win one of those. Four. Oh yeah, because again,
2: if if you would have told me that Rory went out and hit every green regulation, my like, okay, Claire Chug's his on Sunday. Yeah. Claire Juggs is, okay, don't have anything to worry about, and that's just not how it worked. 800 is the talk and text line. We'll go out to Phil in Cedarburg. Phil, you are on the tee. Oh, hey, thanks, guys, for taking my call. Yeah, I, uh, I you know, I just got to
1: take a little bit of, uh, um, I don't feel so good about something you said about, um, you know, that Rory didn't go for it. I don't. I don't quite get that because I feel like he was smashing his drives. He was going for it. He just
2: simply missed his putt. Yeah. And I don't know how that can be not going for it. He just didn't make his putt. And I mean, it was it was so fractional on so many of those. I mean, it was just just on the lip on so many. I feel like he easily could have been you know another four or five under for the day. Yeah. Just it's with a little bit of luck. It's it's one of those things where again, and, and I appreciate the call, Phil. Where again, Cam could be aggressive to pins that you weren't supposed to be aggressive to. And he was rewarded for that early in his back nine on those first five holes. Because there are certainly some pins. Again, the, the one I go back to is on 11. That pin is set up there. You're not supposed to go after it. You're supposed to play it short. Just like the pin on, um, was it 13 or 14? It wasn't 14. must have been 13 or 15 on Thursday. Where like it was hilarious, hilariously tucked. And... Like guys were hitting it at forty feet and everyone was like, That was a great shot. He's a great shot to keep it at forty feet. Yeah. That's that was one of those pins that you weren't supposed to be able to go after that pin. That was the pin you don't attack, but Cam was like, Well, my tournament's over anyway, I can go after
1: that. And I feel like if you don't have the putter going, that is without question the one club in your bag that it just continues to weigh on you. And you just kind of felt that in Rory's round. Yeah. Like you you're just like, God, another one. And another one. And then you start getting to the middle of the back nine, and you see Cam start making them, and you're like, "All right, Rory, it's time." I mean, it's time, Rory. And and he just, it, it, it almost felt like watching him in quicksand.
2: We've all been there, yeah. Where you're burning edges, and you're like, "Okay, this one's going to fall," and then you burn another edge, and you go, "All right, this next one's going to fall." You burn another edge. Next thing you know, you break your putter over your knee. Like
1: it just gets incredibly frustrating. And you go from a unbelievable day on the golf course to why do I play this game? Yeah, it's maddening, mm-hmm. and you felt that in watching Rory. And, and then you watch Cam and you go, that guy won it. Here's, here's my fear,
2: because this is the way I felt going into yesterday. And I, I don't know if I texted you this, I don't know who I texted this to, but I said if Rory wins, I feel he starts to rattle off one a year for the next two or three years. Like he's just going to have, like he is that good of a player where in, in this day and age where the field is so deep and it's you know trying to collect those majors at a pace that Brooks Koepka did. Was unsustainable, obviously. You know, at at the rate that Rory did when he was younger. Unsustainable. But I feel like you could get back in that groove. Another come close and fail. It feels almost like all of the momentum that he got from that 64 at Augusta on Sunday where something clicked. Because he was a story in every single major after that. Whether he was leading after the first round, whether he was in the mix heading the weekend, or like yesterday... Tied for the lead, going into the final round, Rory McElroy was a part of every story of every major this year. And it just makes me fearful that he's come so close so many times it might not be able to happen for him again. But I think he wins another one, but I really felt like he could have rode some momentum by grabbing that claret jug yesterday and going and going on a run where he's picking up one a year.
1: I think he'll win again. I, I do think that watching Rory in defeat is almost like addicting. Like I, I, I he's think he's very that graceful. He, it's it's something where I will continue to always root for him because I think he's great for the game and I think he's a great citizen of the sport. Um, but I also feel like it's addicting as a golf fan to be like, when is he going to th- screw this up? Like, it almost has gotten to the point where I watch him and I'm it like. He screwed up
2: yesterday. I don't think he screwed it up yesterday. No. Just, I, you know, like, because I you know. play golf. And you, honestly, Steven, and you're going to hate that I said, you're one of the better putters I know. <laughs> but, like, when the putter's not there, like, it's.
1: Yeah. It, I, you know, it's just like. I'm, I'm not. I I do not think Rory lost. No. I do think Cam won. But I also, in order to be that next level, you got to go win. Like, yes. Scotty Scheffler almost backed his way into a second major by, I think, finishing even par. Was that, was that the uh, the PGA where he almost finished that Sunday round at even par like or if, didn't make a birdie if, or
2: something? If Rory plays level par over the three days of the PGA, he's in the playoff with JT. It's the same thing with JT, by the way. He kind of backed his way in there because there were a lot of things that had to happen for Zalatoris and Mito Pereira to come back to him during the PGA. You know, he went in and posted that number in the clubhouse, and everybody else came back to him. So, yeah, just being relevant, sometimes you can back your way into one. Yeah. But it just, yes. I just just don't know. Also, example of how hard it is to win one of these things. Imagine being in the second-to-last group, shooting 65, eagling the last hole, and you didn't win.
1: And then watching the guy make the birdie (laughs) after you. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> I'm really happy Cam Young didn't win. I'm very excited about his future, but that was not the tournament for him. He's He is going to win one, and I think
2: he's going to win one soon. We've got to take a break. Uh, uh, gosh, we still have Rory, to talk what are you doing to me? When it comes to the open unfortunately, we do have stuff to talk about when it comes to live golf as well. On the T's opening segment brought to you by Heartland Movement Center. Improve your golf game with a personalized approach from their experienced team. Learn more at heartman, heartlandmovementcenter.com. Tiger Talk, coming up next on the T.
0: The opening segment was brought to you by Heartland Movement Center. Improve your golf game with a personalized approach from their experienced team. Learn more at heartlandmovementcenter.com. On the Tea with Gabe and Steven continues next on 945 ESPN. Merci. You're listening to On the Tea with Gabe Neitzel and Stephen Watson on 945 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside.
2: A lot of other things to get into but you had said you had one more thing you I, wanted. To I think I figured it out I okay. think I
1: figured it out I love Rory as a victorious golfer I love seeing him win but I think I learn more from him in losses and I think that is what makes me appreciate him as a superstar athlete more than anything and I think back to the Ryder Cup when he got emotional emotion, yep. and how much he cares and how deeply he cares not about himself but about the team and how much he cares about not just himself winning another major, but what the PGA Tour future is like, and that's that's why I feel like I empathize with him more in losses than wins, and that's what makes me such a big fan of Rory McIlroy.
2: He's so quick to yeah. his ability after defeat, because we've seen. In hell, I get moody after you know I've lost a five dollar match to my buddy, right? Yeah. For him. To quickly go into retrospective mode and say, hey man, Cam went out here and wanted to shoot 64 at the old course. You know, I didn't do a lot of things wrong today, but I also didn't do a lot of things right today. Like for him to go out there and give an honest, raw emotional assessment of what he thinks just happened, I can't get enough of it either.
1: And I think that it's a perspective too that he has really started to understand and made that apparent in his interviews and in everyday life that has also been something that i you know feel a connection to and i don't i've never met rory probably never will but every time he talks i listen and i find that in defeat he is better than almost any athlete i've ever listened to speaking of
2: perspective let's throw it all out the window as we get into it's all about the drive (laughs)
1: sometimes it's
0: all about the drive but off the tee it's all about the drive the best and biggest shots of the weekend that house is like 400 yards away is that good That's unbelievable. It's all about the drive. On on the T is brought to you by Ewald Automotive. Shop the Ewald Automotive Group, home of the 20-year, 200,000-mile limited warranty on all new vehicles. Visit any of their eight locations today, in-store or online at ewaldautomotive.com. Ewald Automotive. We make it easy.
2: I think we can all agree that if that opening tee shot from Tiger does not go in a divot, he wins, right? Like, that was just the biggest break to end all bad breaks. If Tiger... Does not hit that shot into the into the divot, which then ends up in the and Berm. Then he ends up shooting 21 under par and winning the golf through.
1: You had me believing. You had me believing last Monday <laughs> that this was the week for Tiger. Um, the golf gods had other plans. I mean, the divot rule is the worst rule in golf. Let's just get that out there that there is no reason that you should be penalized for hitting the ball in the middle of the fairway. and
2: Even if the fairway is 150 yards wide like it is at 18-1 and one <laughs> at the old course.
1: It, it that was tough, man. I saw that weekend going a lot different for Tiger, but didn't so see I. him in 146. That was no,
2: that was that was tough. And in all seriousness, it it would appear that the lack of competitive reps kind of caught up to him. Yeah. Um. When you don't putt in competitive golf. As much as Tiger has, you know, and that affects the preparation. I think he could get a swing in a spot because I think he swung it pretty well. He just the short game and the fields, especially having to get around that course, they just weren't there. And it makes me wonder if, you know, I, I thought if he was ever going to compete again, it would be at either at Augusta, a place that he knows like the back of his hand. Obviously, it's why he won there in 2019, or at an Open Championship. Because, I mean, he's won there three times, famously did so without driver in 2006. So if you get conditions like you had this week, you know, some of that distance that he is losing as he gets older and has those injuries, it doesn't matter as much. The problem is, when you're putting on greens that roll as slow as they have to keep them, especially at the old course, now your putter's really going to get tested. You can probably get away with some stuff on some faster greens. The, the 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 stroke is a little bit shorter. When they're a little bit quicker, you can kind of take some of that break out of them or try to take some of the break out of them the, the way he has for the majority of his career. So not having those feels around the course that required all the feels that we just talked about with Rory and Cam and some of the differences on Sunday. Yeah, I may have overlooked a thing or two last Monday. I apologize.
1: Oh, you have no no reason to apologize because we were all believers that he would have shown up a little bit more than that cuz I think it's always been about physically for Tiger over this calendar year. Uh, it's, like he made the cut at Augusta. He made the cut at Southern Hills. And 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 the guy was not nearly as physically capable as he was this weekend at St. Andrews a flat course that he knows like the back of his hand. This it, was, it felt like this was going to be his best major performance of any of them. Yep. And um, the fact that still after those rounds, he talks about how it's still so difficult for him to play 18 holes was a pretty sobering reality for mm-hmm. maybe what we're looking for in the future with Tiger because I, I don't see how he can get those reps that you alluded to No, he can't.
2: No, he can't. He just can't because he can't play that much tournament of golf anymore. He's only going to be playing majors or maybe he plays uh, Riv if he's feeling good enough um, because that's his event in February. You know, he plays the Genesis Invitational. Uh, And that's, I feel like, a huge maybe. Like, he'll be there. But I think about the first hole at Riviera. And it's dramatically downhill. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. just a giant okay. So the first thing you have to do is really test this leg as you walk down this giant hill. And that's going to set the tone. So I, I I don't know if that's going to be anything. I heard this take um, on the No Laying Up podcast, which is, if you're a golf fan, you should be listening to. But one of the guys on there said that they hope that, even though it doesn't seem like Tiger, because Tiger's not a ceremonious golfer, you know, he... Blew through the uh, the swillican Bridge on eighteen. You know, waved his hat, but he didn't stop.
1: I I need your take on that after this thought.
2: Um, To me, that means he's not done, and he's going to work like hell whenever it happens. And the rumor seems to be twenty thirty is going to be the next open um, at the old course. Which
1: is yikes. Yeah, I was hoping five years. (laughs)
2: Yeah, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Twenty thirty seems to be it. You know, he's going to fight like hell to be able to be there and and try to be able to grind to make a cut. I think, Um, but. The way that Tiger has kind of been this almost sensei to like Justin Thomas, and you hear the, the wisdom that he imparts to JT, the wisdom that he imparts on Rory, because he's close. And then the conversations that he was having at the JP McManus Pro Am with uh with John Romp that ended up getting captured, you know, when they're talking about Driver. He just has all this institutional knowledge. He's one of the smartest golfers to ever play the game. So for him to be around and be able to pass on that knowledge to the next generation, even though it's a little ceremonious, I'm here for that version of Tiger Woods.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that he's opened up with the media, too, on a whole nother level over the last couple of years. You talk about perspective and how much he has changed in that regard. Um, I hope he opens up to us. And I, I hope that we can get a little bit of a light into what his life was like and what his next chapter is going to be. If he's not competing for majors, that's fine. I still want to see him play golf. Yeah. And I, I want to see him work his way around courses and I don't want to get trapped in this whole tiger's here to win. Like if he, if he makes some cuts great. Um, but he is built different at the end of the day, Gabe, like, There is always that sliver of hope that this guy can continue to come back from this and win a major at 50. If Phil Mickelson can go out and win a major at 50, I think Tiger can still do it. But I just think we just need to get out of this scope of every time he tees it up, we're expecting him to go out and win.
2: In retrospective, the fact that he was tied for 10th after the first round of the Masters is bonkers.
1: Insane. We don't talk about it enough. (laughs) But that's
2: that's what makes the expectations after that of like, oh, maybe he can actually do this. Because this guy has done things that you cannot imagine his entire career. It's an addiction. Yes. And, you know, I'm never going to give up hope that maybe he can grab another one, that his leg can get healthy enough, that he can... You know, look a little bit better and, and and be that healthy guy that that makes the way around the course. But it's, yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be it's going to be a lot harder than I thought. I'm kind of back to where I was before the Masters because again, like to go out there and shoot 71 and be four shots out of it after the first round of Augusta was just it just it's insane.
1: But I I saw what you saw watching him walk up 18. On Friday and cross the bridge. Thank you. I
2: appreciate this, but that's not it.
1: I am I'm fully aware that this could be it. And I understand how this all works. Like, my leg, I'm lucky that I have a leg. But if you know me, you know I'm doing every single thing in my power to make sure that this is not the end.
2: And if he plays in 2030, I don't think he's going to stop on the bridge. Like stopping on the bridge and doing the wave doesn't seem like him.
1: No. Like, he's just going to
2: keep going again
1: until he can't. How cool was that for Fitzpatrick and Homa to just trail him in that moment? I mean, they both spoke about how it was probably what they'll take away from this open because they didn't play that particularly well. But you think about being a part of that scene. Like, that's got to be one of those pinch-me moments for young golfers that grew up and are able to be in the position they are today because of that map. oh man it's getting dusty in here
2: yeah and now i'm probably gonna start crying for a different reason We'll get to that in just a moment. Because golf weather is here in Wisconsin. If you're looking for a great place to get outside, head to Fairways of Woodside in Sussex. Great atmosphere, great food, drink menu, amazing hospitality. And to me, the hospitality is what separates Fairways of Woodside from most other golf courses. Because they realize golf is supposed to be fun. It's not a stuffy atmosphere. They want you to come out and enjoy your time at Fairways of Woodside. I love it when I get out there. You will too. Book your next tee time. (sighs) Fairwaysofwoodside.com. We talk about live. Coming up next on the team.
0: Back to the course and On the Tee with Gabe and Steven after this on 94.5 ESPN. This is On the Tee with Gabe Neitzel and Steven Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside.
2: Cannot escape it. We did for a little bit, and shout out to the RNA because I think they put on a great championship, they were right to not invite Greg Norman to, I think, the Champions Timber because they're right, like Greg Norman would have found a way to make it about himself because Greg Norman yep. has a history of making it about himself, and he is a part of Live Right Now, and they just wanted everything this week to be about the 150th Open Championship and St. Andrews and everything that goes into that, so I think that was the right decision. However, right after we had to hear the question be asked of Cam Smith, because there have been rumors, and it wasn't great. It wasn't great. The answer that he gave said that his team makes his decisions in terms of where he plays. He just shows up to try to win golf tournaments, which to me sounds like somebody who is probably on their way out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I really like Cam Smith, too. And the problem with what... He's fun to watch because of the aggressive play that, especially, again, him being aggressive is who he is,
2: and him having to be aggressive to go shoot 64 at the old course to win the 150th Open was a pleasure to watch.
1: But he's also one of those young, fun stars. You know, 28 years old, he talked about how the Clara Jug fits two full beers, you know. <laughs> he's the type of guy you want to root for, mm-hmm. I mean... He w- I-, I wonder what this major will come to when we look back on it 10 years ago. Is it the one that Cam Smith won or the one that Rory let slip away? Sure. But you can't deny, A, how likable Cam is, and B, how fun he is to watch. And what the Live Tour is doing for me right now is it's making me resent these guys. I love watching Dustin Johnson hit a golf ball. One of the coolest things I've ever done was get credentialed to go down to Conway Farms and watch DJ play the BMW a couple years back, and I they gave us Inside the Ropes access. I got to stand next to him, hit driver, and it was one of the coolest things as a golf nut I can ever remember. And I became a DJ fan. I kid you not, Gabe, I saw DJ on TV this weekend, and I saw him in contention for a little stretch, and I I... Felt disgust towards him. And that's what that, that's what this Live Tour is doing to me. Little fist bump when he putted it into the bunker on uh, yeah. Saturday.
2: Which was sick. That was awesome. <laughs> he putted it into a bunker.
1: And I, I'm terrified. I, I, I'm i terrified as these names continue to pile up. Um, and Rory's backing down a little bit from some of the comments he's made about the money. I, I don't think we'll, we ever have to worry about a Rory. But no. I, I do worry... And we're still waiting because it all hinges on whether or not we're going to get official world golf points for these live events because that's really what it comes down to. But what Cam Smith, if he does end up jumping, sets a precedent of go win a major and then you hop because as long as you win one, you can play in them all. And that that's and, that's terrifying for the future of the sport.
2: Yeah, at least for right now, because there are so many questions about Live and, and whether they're going to get those OWGR points and what's the waiting period. Because there has to there typically is a waiting period after you've been granted. They are going through the the official World Golf Rankings. Folks are going through the application that was presented to them from Live Golf. But for Cam, now he's exempt into every Open until he's sixty. So he's in the next thirty-two. You know, yeah so he's covered there and he'll have an opportunity I believe it's the next five other majors I believe he needs exemption for five years into the other three majors that's just how these work
1: so but I mean that the heater he's been on the last couple of years I mean his, oh, yeah. his prize winnings might also get him a little bit more exemption in there too
2: by the time by the time you you know like something's gonna be figured out in five years. Like the, so. I, if, man, if we are a fractured golf family in five years between the Liv and PGA Tour, it is going to be tough to be a fan of professional golf, and really the only thing that is going to exist is the majors. But something's going to be figured out in the next five years, whether uh, PGA Tour and Liv decide to work together, or what they, or whatever ends up happening in five years by the time those exemptions run out, he'll have an avenue to play. So for him, I understand why he would make the jump and go make the money. I don't have to like it. You know, just like I don't have to like Graham McDowell tweeting out stupid crap during the the Open Championship either. I don't care if you're trying to troll or make a joke about shotgun starts. No, it wouldn't be great if they had a shotgun start at the Open Graham McDowell. Yeah, it would have been really cool to see, you know, Tiger Woods finish up potentially his last run at the Open on hole six. <laughs> no, like, and and, and uh, I, I honestly don't know what if they decide to give official world golf ranking i don't know how you do it because they, they my can't. favorite my favorite part one of my one of the things i do enjoy about golf and it's the it's the best meritocracy that exists in sport you got to earn your spot you have to earn the spot that you have in the pga tour and yeah maybe that sucks for the guys that have to grind and do it but that's that's part of what professional golf is to me and you know great stories like when jordan speth was able to win, or even when this guy went to, uh, but it was a great story when it happened. When Matthew Wolf won the 3M, which is coming up here in just a little bit, and it's coming up this week. Yeah, when he won the 3M because he had to do it in just seven starts. You know, you only have that short window when you're not non PGA Tour member, where you can only get so many sponsors exemptions to get FedEx Cup points in order to get that PGA Tour card. So to win and be able to just—that's a cool story. Max Homa. Max Homa. Yeah. What's your feeder system? What's your developmental system going to look like? Where are the stars from tomorrow coming from? Where are the Cam Youngs? How do you get into that tour? By not having any qualification process and just having everybody go to the highest bidder, that to me, it gets rid of what, kind of, to me, one of the things that makes golf cool. And it feels a little more soulless. It doesn't feel, I've watched those live events. They're, they're nothing, man. Like they're not actual competition. They're not playing for anything but money. And I, that doesn't do it for me. Like the FedEx Cup, I don't I don't really care about the FedEx Cup playoffs. And really the last time I cared about the Tour Championship was when Tiger won because he's Tiger Bleepin' Woods and he was the one winning it. And it was his first win since 2013. And it was just, you know, just a, a huge celebration when they broke contain and everybody's coming down 18 with him. But I don't care about the FedEx Cup playoffs because all you're really playing for is a bunch of money. You know, like that's, and, and that that's great for the player. As a fan, it's kind of why Tiger versus Phil flopped as the first match, because Tiger versus Phil playing for nine million bucks doesn't really excite me that much as a fan.
1: That was a waste of twenty dollars in pay per view, I must say. <laughs> um, but I do worry that the PGA Tour, their argument has to be more than legacy and pride. They need to figure out a way to get these guys to commit to more than just this is how it's always been done. Yep, and this is what Arnie and Jack set up for us and what Tiger carried through because money always talks, and they need to figure that out, and they're trying. You know, they're up in the purses. Um, And for those who think that, oh, they're up in the
2: purses suddenly, they just, man, can we not be this dumb as a sporting fan base? (laughs) Like the NFL is, oh, suddenly the NFL salary cap is going up. I wonder where this money is coming from. Well, they just renegotiated their TV contracts. Guess what the PGA Tour just did? They renegotiated the TV contracts. They just got new deals from all these. And guess what? The money doubled. That's where the money is coming from, idiots.
1: And Liv doesn't have a TV deal. But we don't know how what that endless supply of money is going to look like. But yeah, it, I, it's going to be fascinating, and I think we're going to find out soon about these official world golf rankings because we kind of need to for the future of this sport.
2: Yeah, there's there's more names that are probably going to be jumping. We're running out of time. We're going to have to do a course review coming up. Um, but there's there, there are more names that are going to jump, and unfortunately it's probably going to happen after the FedEx Cup playoffs, after those guys try to double dip, try to get that FedEx Cup money, and then the live money. Annex Wealth Management is a proud sponsor of On The Tee. It's time to know the difference. Annex Wealth Management provides investment, retirement tax, and estate planning as a local fee-only fiduciary. It's time to put things in order. Annexwealth.com. Click on the Get Started button. Stephen played quite possibly the hardest course in the state of Wisconsin today. We'll see how he did, and he'll give his course review. Coming up next on the tee.
0: No ifs, ands, or putts. There's more on the tee with Gabe and Stephen coming up on 94.5 ESPN. It's On the Tee with Gabe Neitzel and Stephen Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside.
2: The Bog Golf Course tomorrow for the ESPN Milwaukee Open. Steven Watson will be there. I will be there playing some golf. It's going to be fun. Um, You should check it out on your own. It's rated one of the top five Palmer courses in the United States. The Bog offers a challenging but playable golf course. And it, it, it's in a beautiful landscape. I, the, again, it's on a bog, so the way they're able to build around the bog is very interesting. It's a fun golf course to play. I highly recommend you do it. Check out GolfTheBog.com. We've got to do. Yeah,
1: I feel like I've been living out there this year. We did the hundred holes. It was out there for the Mac Fund Open. Got this one. I know the Bucks outing is out there in a couple of weeks. The Bog is, uh, they're always very generous with their course and and donating their their course for great causes. So shout out to them. Can't wait for tomorrow.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Steven played a good golf course today. He's going to tell us all about it right now. Thanks to our friends at Waste Management.
0: Fescue, hole placement, dog legs, hazards. What don't you want to know about Wisconsin's variety of golf courses? It's time for On The Tee to give you a course review. Brought to you by Waste Management, a company that values inclusion and diversity, safety, our customers, and the environment. Join the WM family and visit careers.wm.com.
2: So the two hardest golf courses in this state are located within... Five miles of each other—it's really tight.
1: You could you could say the three hardest in the state, if you include uh, one of the private courses in that area as well.
2: Oh, so I haven't played the private course there, so I wouldn't know that. I am not like you. Oh, and I, get I out of here! It, you know, you shake just lost hands. your invite. You lost <laughs> your invite. <laughs>
1: So keep your friends close. Keep your golf friends closer, even, even
2: closer, especially when they know members at really good private courses. But I, I, I haven't played the bull in a couple of years, so I don't know if the bull is harder or if the one you played today, the river course, is harder.
1: Yeah, Pete Dye's river course is harder um, because the greens are harder. The bull, I think, is a tougher course design. There's a lot more room to really get some crooked numbers. But I, I this is the second time I've ever played the river course at Black Wolf Run. And the first time it was in rain back in 2015. Oof. Like right in my early days in Milwaukee when I moved here. And I played with my family. They came up. We did the courses in Kohler. had an amazing time. But it rained for most of the round. So it was... Not the most memorable of experiences because we had a we had an hour long lunch break in the yeah. middle and it's like you pay all this money you travel, you know to come out there and you just you, that's one thing you can't control. It's tough to
2: give like an accurate course review when you're miserable not because of the golf but because you're wet.
1: Yeah, and like you got no grip on your clubs. You're wearing like three three or four layers and it's in the middle of summer. It, it was just I was happy I got the river course on a beautiful day today. Um, Those were probably the toughest greens I have putted on in the state of Wisconsin. I'll tell you what Pete Dye has an unbelievable masterpiece there. It is one of the more entertaining golf courses. And I would say probably the hardest golf course I have played in the state strictly because the par fives are so hard and the par threes might Uh, be the opening par fives, not the opening par fives. I actually than... birdied one. Yeah, but that
2: was what to say. The other three. One is, the yeah. other
1: three par fives are. Oh, uh, they're a
2: beast, man! You gotta you gotta be accurate on uh, hole sixteen. That one's really hard. Uh, what's your favorite hole out there on the river?
1: Um, I think thirteen. I mean, the par three where you have to. It, it's a really really hard hole. You have to draw it around like along the river that runs along the right side if you're a righty, Mm or you got to play a cut if you're a lefty. Oh, and there's just trees covering the whole left side of the green. I hit a beautiful 200-yard 5-iron that would have been pin-high on the left side, but I didn't hit it high enough, and I hit the tree and got knocked down and made 4. That's tough. And it's like you have to either draw it aggressively around those trees, or you got to sky it over the trees and throw a teardrop on the green. I mean, what Pete Dye does to you is you stand on every tee box and he tries to force your mind to the wrong place i mean it's the same at whistling Straits as yep. well and uh the number of tee shots where you're intimidated on the tee box and then you get to your shot and you're like wow i had all this room or <laughs> wow you look back and it's like this wasn't that hard of a tee shot but from the tee box it looks incredibly difficult um it's really a masterpiece it's it's a special special course if you have an opportunity to get out in there and play it, it it's worth the money it's worth the time um i i can't recommend the river course enough.
2: I love hole 5, which is the first course or the first hole that's not a part of the original design uh, okay. because the way the way that the river is if if you haven't played out there holes 1 through 4 and then 14 through 18 yep. are part of the original 18. Those those nine holes. Uh, so you play, which the par three there is great because you've got this pond, that, and that's one of my favorite loops when you play the original course because you play those holes back-to-back around that pond. Good par three, really good short par four. Yep. But the first par four that you just look down, river running all along the right, and it's just such a gorgeous view, and then an incredibly hard tee shot. You're like, oh, I can just kind of put this anywhere. no. You can't put that tee shot wherever you want because you got to go right back up the hill to a blind um, a blind green. So it's which is as you mentioned a tough yeah. green because they're all tough. On yeah,
1: it. the visual intimidation factor is I felt it more on the river course than I do on the straits, and I, I think it's it's an the hardest course in this state and one of the better Pete Dye courses that I've had an opportunity to play nationwide. I it's a gem.
2: Yeah, I got to find some time to get back out there and play the river again this year cuz it is it is enjoyable even if it kicks your ass a couple of holes yeah, here and there. I mean, I
1: but I I'll tell you what, those greens were so difficult. The undulation on those greens, it's another thing where you you're standing 100 yards back and you you put in the you wrong spot yeah. on those greens and you get up to the green you're like, "Holy cow." <laughs> <laughs> i I hope I get there in 2. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, it's it, it's it's an awesome course though man so, so what'd you fun. shoot
2: 69 70 since you're you know just working your way to a scratch right now
1: i shot a 79 with a bogey on 18
2: a boy, still broke 80 i had faith in you what uh, by the way what did the 70 do to the handicap
1: it dropped me to a point where i can't play to it <laughs> <laughs> the num- the number came in a match Yep. So oh, it, so it's a it competition score. Po- it poses score. a competition yeah, score. Yeah, that's going to make it even uh, weigh a little heavier. And I've already lost two strokes on my handicap for my next match. It's tough. So I hope my partner is ready to carry me <laughs> in our two-man event for the summer-long series. I mean... I- I'll take it all to have that type hey, of day on the golf hey, course. You had the
2: seventy. But it let happened. me tell you,
1: I, I just lost two more strokes on the card. <laughs>
2: would have been would have been better to happen in you know like the championship round, So then you have to worry about it for the rest of the tournament. But you know, again, a seventy is a seventy. Can't wait for the ESPN Wisconsin Open tomorrow. I'm sure we'll talk about that more next week. Oh, we did not get our Gruber losses one call. That's all pick in. Three M Open. Completely forgot about it. We need a Gruber pick. Throw a name out there.
1: I don't even know who's playing. Um, Throw a name out there. I'll tell you if I know if he's playing or not.
2: Justin Thomas. Definitely not. Come on. You think JT's coming back to play in Minnesota after playing the old course? Get out of here. Uh, I am going to go with uh, Sahith Fagala. Ah, oh, that's a great pick. you can going to go Sahith as well? <laughs> All right, he's going to piggyback. Sahith, We're both going Let's Sah- go Sahith. <laughs> Can't wait for him to win next week. This has been on the tee.